0: Anyone's Game Podcast. Following women's football. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Anyone's Game Podcast. My name is Robbie Hanrathe and I'm delighted to be joined by Anyone's Game pundit Gordon McComb. On this podcast, we will hear from managers and players, all from Sunday's thrilling. SWPL Cup semi-final doubleheader at Fourth Bank Stadium in Stirling. In this podcast, Gordon and I will also dissect both games, look a bit more in detail about what went right, what went wrong for all four sides. And with Gordon being there, I'm sure he'll give some great analysis. So, Gordon, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, Robbie.
0: Let's dive straight into it, Gordon. You were at the matches. What was your overall thought on the day itself to start with?
1: I think it's uh, it's telling for the two bigger sides and the two that have progressed in the end as well that it did take until you know the latter halves of second halves for them to really start powering past Spartans to start powering past uh, Hibernian as well. These were two really really hard fought ties. I thought all four teams really left it all out there in terms of what you'd expect from nervy uh, cup semi-finals and. It's testament that, that speaking to, to all the managers afterwards, I don't think anyone was disappointed with performances. They might have been too uh, were disappointed with results. You know, everyone happy with performance they put in, it just wasn't enough on the day for two.
0: Yeah, especially look at the first game, Spartans. They'd lost in the league fixture, 9-0 to Glasgow City. That was their opponents. The fact for them, and Debbie McCulloch, that they got into the halftime break level. Did you think that scoreline at the halftime break in that match was fair? Did Glasgow City fit
1: in too much? I think there's, there is some general surprise or from, from those who I was speaking to at the break anyway that it had managed to get in at nil-nil. Both sides had had chances and Debbie McCulloch said to me you know, after the game that they targeted set pieces and that had been their way that they looked like they were going to make a breakthrough. And it, I don't think it would have been unfair if they had been one-up, though uh, Lauren Davison will would have had her head in her hands and she probably does anyway uh, given the kind of it was a pretty bad miss, in truth, uh, right near the start of the first half. And it's only about five to ten minutes in. She's uh, received the ball at the back post and puts it anywhere else, and it's on target and in the back of the net. Instead, it's straight at Rachel Harrison. It's a comfortable save. And that kind of set the tone for, for Spartans for the, the rest of the game going forwards. So that It was, you know, all action and, and all bodies in the line. But also, um, you know, for City, it was and, uh, that, that missed chance that led, led to a first half that was really, really quite poor.
0: Yeah, and that's not something we've really come to expect from City over the last decade, especially even recent time, even with the investment from Celtic and Rangers. So did you see an evidently different City in terms of the play? Obviously, was the first game with the new manager, Eileen Gleason. Did it look like it was trying something different to the fact that in the first half, they obviously couldn't break Spartans down enough to make that victory?
1: I think from, from what I spoke to, uh, Eileen Gleason at full time, she'd said, you know, the, the focus was um, getting the team, you know, really the really obvious thing of getting the team playing well. And at half time, there wasn't any uh, changes needed to, to a tactical plan. It was just a case of, you know, we knew what we were doing was right, but do it better in the second half. And, and they certainly got that. Um, and she certainly got that reaction from, from our players as well. Um, it might have taken longer than she liked. Um, she was certainly a, a relieved figure at full time. But I think, you know, there were elements with the performance in the second half that she was certainly happy with. And I would expect to see more of going forward.
0: As you say, they turned it on in the second half, getting that three goals, with and Tier getting two of them. I know she's a player that splits opinions, scores a lot of goals. But just how good were the goals that she scored? And how much of an impact did she make on that game?
1: I think it was a, a tricky first half all-round uh, for the City forwards. And it wasn't until Mary Fulton you know, played played an absolutely sumptuous pass that, that cut right through the heart of the Spartans' defence and put her through clean one-on-one. And we know how good a finisher she is, and that was one you, you kind of were expecting the net to bulge, and, and it does. And up until that point, I think it's fair to say that she'd struggled really to get on the ball and, and effect, play in the way that she would have liked. Um, in the second half, going, going afterwards that, you know what, I think she still had, had a bit of a tough time, though she does really well for that third goal. And if you've not seen it, I would urge you to watch it because it's a really acrobatic finish. But getting away from, pulling away from her marker, having space at that back post, and able to perform that kind of kind of finish, you know, you see the kind of quality player she she is. But yeah, definitely a more difficult afternoon than she perhaps would have liked.
0: Yeah, I guess, but I guess that is a testament to Spartans who didn't leave anything on the pitch. They obviously battled tied, but that second goal... Glasgow City scored was less than a minute really after Ginchia's opener, second from Hayley Lauder. Do you think Spartans just lost concentration after finally going behind 60 minutes into the match after doing so well?
1: It was a little bit of that. I think it's fair to say it's, it's a, a goal that, that felt a little bit fortuitous in terms of just the manner of, of how it eventually ends up in the back of the net. But you can see the change that Gleeson makes to, to bring that, that chance about in the first place. Spoke at a full time as well about Julia Mullin bombing forward on the right. She play, plays that ball into the corridor of uncertainty, that difficult place for defenders and keeper to deal with. And Laura gets just, you know the faintest of touches, and that's enough to take it past the keeper. I don't know necessarily that I would call that you know a lack of concentration. It's more just City's game plan finally coming getting into a position where it comes together, uh, and, and a chance that, that frankly is pretty difficult to defend at the best of times.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I guess that sometimes happens as the game goes on, players tire, and the game plan can start to look good. And obviously they've done that. They won 3-0 Glasgow City and they booked their place into the final. But it was a mega day for you Gordon on Sunday, back-to-back games. Two hour weight between the games after City's 3 victory. It was Hibs and Celtic in the second match. And Hibbs got off the flying start with Scotland international Rachel Boyle scoring a cracking long-range effort after only 12 minutes.
1: Just how good a goal was that, going? Uh Frankly, right out of the top drawer. Um, a sweetest strike, right? as as you could hope to hit uh, on a football net. You know, I don't think uh, any keeper in the world would have had much of a much of a sniff at all at getting anything close to to a hand on it. It was, uh, yeah, an absolute world beater.
0: Yeah, and that probably merits why she's just got a Scotland call-up today. So, well done, Rachel Boyle. And in that first half, Hibs went into the halftime break a goal up. But how did the chances and the way of play really go? Did they deserve that 1-0 lead?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's fair to say they did. They uh, had a game plan and they shut down Celtic pretty effectively. So, Celtic had that 3-4-3 with the, the two wing-backs. And that front three, oh boy, did they have a, a really tough time because Hibs had the, the 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-1, it's, it was a little bit fluid in what they were doing. But that initial defensive block of the four and the two really kept Celtic's front three pretty quiet and, and made it really, really difficult for them to operate. And that means Celtic are really, really struggling to progress the ball forward. Hibs get a lot of time to dominate, are able to play through the kind of isolated two uh, midfielders in the in, in the centre of uh, Celtic's side. And yeah, it was yeah pretty... I wouldn't go so far as to call it comfortable, but it certainly looked like Hibs were... Uh, in control of proceedings for, for a lot of that first half.
0: That's what I heard and thought as well, Hibs. You'd imagine were are out to, they want to keep that trophy. So they would have been very pleased going in into halftime, a goal up. But Celtic responded by making two halftime substitutions to try to tilt the game in their favour. And what happened straight from halftime? Celtic got that equaliser from young forward Jacinta. What was reaction on the Hibs bench and on the Hibs team just losing that goal so early into
1: that half. Huh? Well it's something we, we spoke about with Dean Gibson and Rachel Boyle at, at full time so you'll hear uh, their thoughts on it no doubt they've been really really struggling to work out why Hibs are, are, are so uh, proficient in the way they would absolutely hate to be uh, at conceding goals straight after the break they've tried a couple of different things uh, to try and fix it and uh, they had the, the girls out very early after you know the halftime team talk to try and get them uh geed up and, and ready to go and it was one of the one of the tactics that dean said you know they're trying to try and uh force a reaction to stop these immediate goals from kickoff happening uh or very early goals in the second half from happening and it's unfortunately something that, that didn't work uh, again on the day uh, they, they you know at full time they both uh dean gibson and, and rachel both scratching the heads and i'm not really sure how to prevent this sort of thing happening going forward as well it's uh uh, it's a real real tough one for them to try and work out because it's something that's happening alarmingly regularly and it's something they definitely won't want to continue.
0: Yeah, you make a good point there, happening regularly. That's the thing with Hibs. They've got a very good solid squad, good team, and some defence as well. So it's uncharacteristic for them to play the first half or play 90 minutes so well, but the start of the second half or whatever, just switch off. And when you're playing against a team like Celtic, who have been on pretty good form themselves so far this season. You can't give them any space or any clear-cut chances, especially not being prepared for the second half. But that's something that Dean Gibson, as you say, is trying to work on, and I'm sure that we'll be doing that. We'll obviously speak a lot in podcasts this season about Charlie Wellings, how great a contribution she's been making to the Celtic side, and double figures for goals already this season. Scored a crucial goal the other week against Rangers. And obviously she scored the winner in this match. But from what I've seen, her and Jacinta turned it on in the second half in general for Celtic. And they kinda, the tide of the game turned a bit.
1: Yeah, so uh, Jacinta really kickstarts uh, that Celtic comeback. She'd been dropping in. I, I, for anyone who's watched Celtic, you'll have seen this happen countless times. Uh, with the two sort of wide uh, uh, forwards in the front three, Jacinta has this habit of dropping deep. And when she picks up the ball, she's going to cut inside from left to right. Does that in the first half, it just gets, uh, you know, shut down. The the space gets shot on her very, very, very quickly. Um, but second half, finally, it pays dividends. And if you watch the goal back, uh, I think it's Olivia Chance makes the absolute perfect overlapping run that you need to make this goal happen. And a little given goal, Olivia keeps the run going, and she draws. I think it's I think it's Amy Gallagher that gets drawn across with it, and that leaves just enough space for Jacinta, for Jacinta to take the touch and bend it into the corner. and from there on, Celtic tails are up and everyone's uh, kind of rearing and ready to go. And you might have thought this is where you see kind of a repeat of the Glasgow City game where then Celtic really start ramping up the pressure and taking over. And in fact, it goes the other way. Hibs kind of managed to survive that that early couple of minutes of wobble, get things back under control, and it turns back into that tense affair of back and forth of neither side really able to hold on to control. Uh, and Charlie Wellings is the, the, the forward in this front three and is the kind Of, like, the engine of, of, of the attack having to run the, down the channels all the time and try and force things wide and create and drop into space, uh, and it just doesn't seem like it's happening for at all, uh, across that 90 minutes. And then, um, it's an absolute stroke of luck. Uh, the second goal for a Celtic is it, it you know, I, I said in the in our write up that it, the ball kind of bounced around like it was in a pinball machine, and, and it's absolutely accurate, um. And it's just unfortunate for Hibbs that it falls at, you know, the best one of the best strikers in the league. And uh, credit to Charlie, it's an absolutely stunning finish into the top corner. Um, and one of those where you're, you're happy to see her score for the, for the work that she's had to do off the ball and for the work she had to do trying to build up play rather than the work that she does in terms of the chance, actually converting chances. Yeah, I
0: definitely would agree with that with Charlie Wellings. She's one of these players that could be quiet in terms of not have many chances in the game, but do a lot of good, Working movement, but when she does get that chance, she'll take it, and that's why she is arguably Celtic's go-to player for the goals and bringing points and a final. But that goal, winning, turned out to be the winning goal. It was still over ten minutes remaining in
1: the match. What were his is battle a fight like to get back and get an equaliser? It was difficult. It was difficult. By then, you could see that kind of momentum was out of their side. They'd had a couple of chances before that. That second went in where uh, Rachel Johnson was was scrambling a little bit to keep the keep the ball from our uh, crossing the line, but there were all chances from range and and following the what turned out to be the winner uh, from Charlie Wellings, it uh, it started getting a little bit scrappy. Um, my my one note uh, for Hibbs that was that was relevant from after that goal is I put Hibbs can't retain the ball and every time they they tried to build it forward, it was a combination of you know tired legs and tired minds in terms of. Slightly rushing the place, slightly too much, or the pass length just slightly too much, or slightly too little as they tried to advance, and the more it happened, the worse it got. And and you want in in a in a cup semi final like this with the the game the way it had been, uh, I don't think anyone would have uh, been that aggrieved to see it go to extra time. But in truth, I don't I don't think Hibbs really forced anything that made you think that was going to happen.
0: I totally agree, especially in an occasion like that, playing so close, you're having chances. He was headed in the first half. You think to yourself, maybe, just maybe, we spoke highly of Colette Kavanagh in the past for long-range efforts. That at any point, you thought maybe, just maybe, there'll be that one chance you could take a time or just Celtic and Fan Alonso managed the game management enough to just look comfortable in the end.
1: I think there were, yeah, like, like you see, there was a couple of chances at 1-1 where you thought if you catch this slightly sweeter, or if Rachel Jones' position is, is slightly slightly more askew, uh, you've got a chance of... of Scoring one from range and uh you know going if you go back in front at two one who knows it might it might well have been a, a bat down the hatches and, and hold on job, but you know but you would have had faith that they could maybe see that one out instead yeah the the second goes in in the fashion that it does and i wonder i do wonder if that the way that that second goal goes in had an impact on the rest of the game rather than just it being a second goal because it was bodies online and it's really unfortunate because there's three separate hips defenders that have a shot at clearing it. Uh, and a combination of you know bouncing off an attacker, or the clearance just not being quite strong enough, or see the, the killer, the killer, and uh, and sheila felt sick watching it happen, and, and it all felt like it happened in slow motion. I can I you know put a lot of money on that. John Murray slides in, gets a toe on it to try and keep it away from trouble, and all it really does is roll it into the path of Charlie Wellings, so and it's just an absolute sickener to watch happen. And there's a mental impact of of that kind of goal going in that I'm sure had an effect on the rest of the game. Yeah,
0: sometimes when your luck's just not in, these moments when you think you've blocked it, but it just has to land to the opposition player. I've been there as a football fan. I've seen it. We've all seen it. And you do feel for you do feel for Spartans. But at the end of the day, it is going to be an interesting tactical contest between Island Gleason's Glasgow City and Fernando Alonso's Celtic in the final. Sunday, the 5th of December. Just a quick note on that. How excited are you? for that two sides playing in the final
1: at Ferhal? I think, yeah, like, like you say, tactical contest is, is the right way to, to describe it because these are two teams that can't really rely on the game to play out in the same way that the semifinals did. You can't rely on that final half hour where a team tires. Uh, it's not going to happen because these are, these are two teams that, that train at the same level, that are canny enough operators and, and with a, a good enough complement of players that this could be a game that's decided on an individual error. Uh, but it is as likely that that it will be whoever sets their team up right, and much more importantly, in that final sort of forty-five, but more likely that final fifteen to twenty is able to respond to any late changes and uh, either keep their side in front or make the change, bring the person on that puts the the ball in the back of the net that has you, you know, winning a final and and, and celebrating.
0: Yeah, that's why I always say that these sites like City, Rangers, Celtic having a big squad mentioned tactical contest, Being able to, as Celtic done in that semi-final, half-time changes, change things up and you can see a whole different spirit in these sides. And must note as well, Finn Alonso last season got a Champions League spot, pipped Rangers. He'll be absolutely buzzing to be in a final and have a chance for some silverware. But also, what a great way to mark Eileen Gleeson as Glasgow City boss if she could pick up a trophy only three weeks into her tenure as well. So there's a lot of excitement around Scottish women's football at the moment.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think there's a a, a lot of intrigue and a lot of interest as, as well. There should be in what will be, uh, you know, a really, uh, a really interesting final and hopefully, uh, you know, with these interesting finals that we see a performance on the pitch that makes it not one of those gritty 90 minute affairs where if you're a neutral, it's not so interesting, but if you're a, fan of on those sides you're, you're biting nails and and you know hiding behind the sofa um, I think this could well be a, a game that that is entertaining for the neutrals that is really interesting um, to, to cover as well and for, for us personally in terms of the media aspect I think we've got two managers that are uh, really you know passionate about this and really desperate to pick up the silver whereas I'm sure all the managers that, that have competed in it so far and are unfortunate enough to not make the final would have been uh, passionate as well but these two seem to have their hearts set on it and unfortunately come the end of the day uh, one of them won't won't be able to get their hands on that trophy
0: so listeners pencil in sunday the 5th of december get yourself along to firhill stadium for what's set to be a truly filling match between glasgow city and Celtic. if you've got to do anything after listening to this podcast remember get along to that final And Gordon, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me to look back on these two semi-finals. I'm sure we'll be back with lots more Anyone's Game content in the next few days with I Know Best recording, as well as a wee Scotland surprise at the weekend for you. So it's a goodbye from me.
1: Goodbye from me as well.